If you don't have a handout and you would like one, you can see them being passed out. If you got missed, you just slip your hand up and Beecher or Ezra will give you one. There you go. For those of you who were not able to be there yesterday, last, yesterday evening for our concert in the park, we just want to give a quick report about that. It went really well. Uh, it seemed to be an encouragement to many folks. Thanks for the, to the approaches for bringing out all the folks for their music and um, was able to make some good good conversation with people and be able to begin to develop relationships with those in the community. So we really appreciate those who were able to come and enjoy that time. Lord held off the rain and we got our first cool front all in the same day. <laughs> it was a little chilly. Uh, I'm going to let's pray once again and then we'll begin our study here this morning on evangelism. Father in heaven, we we see that you alone are the one who does the work of saving. And yet you've called us in laid upon us, Father, the responsibility of proclaiming the good news. And it's really, Father, not even uh, a burden or responsibility as much as it's the outflow of a changed heart. Father, we want to be better equipped for this work of proclaiming the good news. Not necessarily, Father, in having every verse down the way it's needed or the strategy just so we don't put our faith in these things. But, Father, at the same time, we want to proclaim the good news and in no way tarnish the glory that is there. We want to proclaim it for all the majesty that it is. I pray that you would help us, Father, as we would study this morning. Help us to learn some things. Help us to be able to apply them. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. So we're in the ninth uh, study here, the ninth lesson of our core seminar on evangelism. And we're getting this information, as we've noted before, from Capitol Hills Baptist Church. Mark Dever over in Washington, D.C. Their church is very generous to put their information there online and we're able to get it. And today we're talking about being intentional and strategic in evangelism. The the foundations of faithful evangelism are found in the life of Christ. Christ was intentional. He lived his life purposely. He lived his life intentionally. And he took every opportunity that God uh, gave him to share the gospel. Janet Proch yesterday made an, uh, an encouraging note to me that those who were there looked to be about 200 yesterday, 250. Christ spoke to multitudes and he spoke to one. But he spoke with power either way. And we have the opportunity, whether it's to stand in front of a crowd and proclaim the good news or it's to speak faithfully to that one individual that the Lord has laid before us. We want to uh, take the opportunity to be intentional and strategic in our proclamation of the gospel. We're going to look at three things this morning. You'll see those on their handout. Number one, identifying and removing barriers to evangelism that lurk in our lives. Identifying and removing barriers. Number two, turning commonplace conversations into eternal exchanges in three, strategic, living strategically for the sake of the gospel. Um, people use the word strategy all the time. We don't, as believers, put faith in strategy. At the same time, we do see biblically that it is wise to have a plan. To have a plan of how we're going to do something. To have a plan for what's going to come uh, this next year, 2016. To have a plan to want to live our lives in a way that's honoring to the Lord. We wake up in the morning and we develop a plan for the day. 
But we do that as Christians all with the understanding of Proverbs 16. So if you want to note there the beginning, I would encourage you to put down Proverbs 16 and the first nine verses of Proverbs 16. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Verse 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So we're talking this morning about being strategic, but we're with, uh, with the understanding that this is essentially creating a plan and we're committing that to the Lord because we want to be in the center of his will. We want to be walking by the Spirit. Let's go to number one on your handout. Be intentional in evangelism, identifying barriers to evangelism and remove them from your life. We're all in different seasons of life and it's the shifting back and forth between different seasons that new and unknown barriers come into life. If you're like the Clarks and you just moved to a different home and a new neighborhood, you're going to find new barriers to evangelism that you didn't even know were in existence. The Boltons started a new store. There's going to be new opportunities, but with that comes new barriers. This is, the way, this is the way it would be for all of us in our lives as we uh, go through different seasons, is we come upon new opportunities, but also new barriers, and we want to be able to identify what those barriers may be and learn to work around them. So question number one to help us with whatever barriers we may come up against on your handout there is, are you motivated? Are you motivated? Somebody can turn in your Bible and read for us out loud Luke six forty six. Somebody read us Luke six. Jackie, go ahead. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call Christ Lord, Lord, and do not do as He says? Do we desire to do what Christ has asked us to do, and give us the given us the the faithful duty of doing is proclaim the gospel? And if we're not, why? Are we motivated? Really, in evangelism, the most important factor isn't how much we know. Uh, You're not going to be a better evangelist if you're an extrovert rather than an introvert. You're not going to be a better evangelist if you have non-Christian friends, lots of them as compared to few non-Christian friends. It's less about the circumstances or the personality or if you know all the verses that you could use and you've got to memorize in three different translations and the Greek and why it all works or if you don't know any of them and you're new to the faith. It's less about how much we know and more about the desire, the motivation to share the good news. If, we don't, if I don't desire to share the gospel, I won't do it even if I have opportunities and I'm equipped. You could be the most equipped person in the world you can have all the opportunities if you don't desire if you're not motivated to share the gospel you won't do it so are we motivated in the bible we have jonah who illustrates this point jonah had everything he needed for evangelism god told him what to do god told him what to say god told him where to go god provided the way to get there it's the perfect opportunity but he wasn't motivated jonah didn't want to do it he sailed the opposite direction He didn't have the desire and motivation at that time. The Lord had to do a little work on him to get him to that point. Are we 
Are we motivated to share the gospel? And am I motivated for the right reasons? Underneath your handout there, under motivation, I've got three points I want you to put down. Motivation number one, right, the right motivation for, for evangelism. Motivation number one, according to Luke 6.46, obedience. Obedience. We should evangelize out of obedience to God. God loves us. God is patient with us. But he also calls us to deny, to deny ourselves and follow him. The work of regeneration inside the, the heart of the Christian is such a drastic, life-changing work. It should bear fruit according to that drastic, life-changing work. So it's such an amazing work of, of life-saving that Christ does upon us that it should bear works and fruit that are life-saving. So for a Christian that is uh, not sharing the gospel, meaning he just has no motivation whatsoever, or his motivations are out of pride, you need to be asking the point, asking yourself the question internally, why am I not motivated? Is the, do I see how wonderful this work of saving faith that Christ has done in my life? And if I see it, and it is so wonderful, why would I not share it? Motivation number two, right motivation number two. We should consider the state of their loss and their need for Christ. We should consider the state of the lost and their need for Christ. Matthew nine, thirty-five and 36, you could put down there on motivation number two, considering the state of the lost and their need for Christ. You see how Christ saw people. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. This is how he saw them. Verse 36, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Seeing them as Christ sees them. A famous magician and comedian who's also an atheist, Penn Gillette, not the razor, Penn Gillette, says this about Christians who don't share Christ. So this is a comedian, this is a magician, and this is a person who has no interest in the Lord. He's an atheist. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, well, it's not really worth telling them because this would make it socially awkward. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Ooh. We should consider the state of their loss and their need for Christ. That's loving to tell them about eternal life through Christ alone. And it's loving to tell them, if not, there's no other, there's no other way but through Christ. And the only other option is eternal death in the lake of fire. You can say that in a very loving, kind way. But you can also say that in a very clear way. And that needs to be said. There's, there's no other options. Right motivation number three. Right motivation number one. In review here, we should evangelize out of obedience to God. Right motivation number two. Consider the state of their lost and their need for Christ. Right motivation number three. We should share the gospel for God's glory. John Piper. All of history is moving toward one great goal. The white hot worship of God and his son among all the peoples of the earth. 
missions, or we could use the word evangelism, is not that goal. It's the means. It's the means by which we move by the Holy Spirit people to the white-hot worship of God. Evangelism is not for the sake of just evangelism. Evangelism is for the sake of God's glory and to bring others into worship before Him. So are we motivated for evangelism? What are some sinful motivations for evangelism? This is self-gain? Recognition? Pride? Performance? Excuse me? Make the church larger. Make the church larger, yes. Yeah. Trying to prove who you are. Out of duty. I've got I've I've got to do this, otherwise God's not going to bless me. Obligation rather than out of a heart of worship gladness so we've looked at three right motivations for evangelism question number two in your handout are you a are you equipped are you equipped for evangelism i remember the first time i shared the gospel i was probably 14 years old uh it was uh in a neighborhood in tennessee and we had uh hills in tennessee and so I was at the top of this hill and coming down, walking down through the neighborhood, and there was a, a kid coming home from school, and he was walking the other direction. And I had, you know, we'd been studying evangelism in, in church and things, and I'd been really dutifully trying to memorize, you know, you start in Romans, or you walk him down the Romans road, make sure you got all the verses, and if you miss the verse, oh, you're not going to get it. And I remember under such conviction wanting to speak to this young man, he's walking past me, and he gets about from here to the wall over there, and he's walking the other direction, having no clue. And I turn around and sprint back to him. If you die today, are you could go to heaven or hell. I mean, I just, you just got to get out. You're nervous. You just got to get it out there. He's looking at me like, I'm just going home from school, man. <laughs> so I was maybe equipped, and I may have had the, I may have had the wrong motivation. Just uh, you just got to get through it, right? And by to get to the end, they're going to get it. Are you equipped? So yes, we can be equipped. And this is a great lesson. Uh, this is a great series to be equipped. But having all the right, and I would tell you, memorize the scriptures. I, I think that's a wonderful thing. But even more important to that is for you to understand the glorious work of Christ in your life. Study that. Ask yourself the question, what is the gospel? Spend time writing that out in its fullest extent. If you have the opportunity to really walk through it, does it, does it grip you? The wondrous work of Christ. Are you equipped? So there's, there's, there's tools for that. Uh, there are training things. Uh, go on a missions trip. That's one of the best ways. Go on a missions trip with someone who has done this before. Go on a missions trip with the Boltons. There you go, Tim Bolton. And, and walk alongside that person and listen to them share the gospel. It's an excellent, an excellent way. So there are, there are many ways to be equipped, but that would be a question. Are you equipped? And so not just do you have the right motivation, but can you share what Christ has done for you? Do you understand that? We, I believe, would do that, would understand that. Number three, question number three, are you available? Are you available? Are you physically available for evangelism? This is something as a pastor I've had to really work on because I spend my 
time around Christians. And so I don't have a lot of interaction with non-Christians. So this year I've really, Lucy and I have really made it a point to try to develop ways to be physically around non-Christians. Whether it's uh, sports, uh, playing basketball in the, in the weekdays here in Fredericksburg with some guys. I go to a coffee shop four or five times a week just trying to meet the same people who always come in the coffee shop. Some of them know the Lord, some of them don't. But develop relationships, develop uh, physically being around non-Christians. The man who, um, who was putting together this this lesson, he has a testimony that he loved to share the gospel, uh, was spending 60 hours a week going to school at a university, graduates, gets a job, moves out of the university and finds himself in the, in the middle of the corporate world with no friends, uh, no non-believing friends really. I mean, he's, it doesn't, he's not in a, in a school where there's just non-Christians all around him, uh, full of Hindus or Muslims or Buddhists or atheists where he's able to share the gospel. And so what he did is he realized a whole chunk of my life has been removed, which is being around people that I can share the gospel with. And so he made the choice to... Uh, quadruple his rent, which obviously he must have been able to do that financially, but quadruple his rent, move from where he was living, still had the same job, but move into an apartment complex uh, in a community that had more non-Christians and be able to just invest himself in that apartment complex, in that community there of non-Christians and be able to uh, to share the gospel. So are we physically avan- uh, available for evangelism? And that may take, especially if you're uh, like many of the families in our church who seek to raise their children in their admonition of the Lord and maybe you're homeschooling, you've got to work really strategically to do that because we're wired for kind of pulling away from all that and you've got to find strategic ways to be able to be around non-Christians and be able to proclaim the gospel. And I think there is maybe nothing more wonderful uh, for your children to get a glimpse and grasp of the glory of the gospel than to see their parents investing in the lives of non-believers just in in a normal life context. I think that's really powerful for children. Number two on your handout, I think you're on the other side of the page now, is be intentional in evangelism. Turn commonplace conversations into eternal exchanges. Evangelism is the natural outflow of a life that's filled uh, with the Spirit And I think for anyone who is walking in the Spirit and wanting to proclaim the good news, transitioning from everyday lives about the weather or uh, the spurs or whatever it would be into eternal uh, topics is difficult. And there's no scripture on this. There's nothing we can go to in scripture that says, here's how you're going to bridge from the physical to the spiritual. And here's the three-step process to do that. That isn't the case. We don't see that anywhere in Scripture. So what we're going to look at is four tips for building bridges in everyday conversations. And as we walk through these, uh, these are just that. They're tips. There's some things we can use uh, to help bridge the gospel in everyday conversations. Um, But also understanding that these are simply going to be the outflow of someone who has the right motivation, is equipped, And wants to be able to find uh, ways to make that bridge. Number one, we should always start with prayer. Pray for wisdom to know how quickly, how quickly, the the fill in the blank there, how quickly you should move towards sharing the gospel. How quickly you should move towards sharing the gospel. And this is really 
uh, case by case, circumstance by circumstance, situation by situation. If you walk into um, the second pack and there's 10 people behind you, you know, you're not going to be able to engage for 35 minutes with the person behind the counter. Uh, and yet, if you're sitting on the airplane and you've got a three-hour flight, well, you can engage for three hours. Um, so it's really situation by situation, which is why we're praying for wisdom there. And some of them, there's not much of a bridge. You're going from, hi, how are you, to, do you know Jesus? Whereas others might be, hi, how are you? What's your job? Where do you live? How many kids do you have? Why are you going there? Why are you going to visit your kids? Why, what kind of jobs do they have? Oh, and then you're able to s- slowly translate, uh, transition to uh, bridging toward the gospel. But pray for wisdom. Really be praying for wisdom to know how to do that. Are there any il- illustrations here? Tim, you got any illustrations on this one? Uh, one illustration would be assessing the amount of time you have is important, but the reality of people want to speak about themselves. So you have to make sure you're not just talking, you're trying to question them about something that you know is of interest. So if I ask you about how are the spurs, well, that is going to get me sidetracked into all kinds of statistics and I won't even know who they are. But if I say, tell me how many children that you have, well, I don't have any children. Oh, well, we have two adopted, you know, and then all of a sudden you've gotten into a family opportunity issue. People want to talk about their family, even if it's a hard family. So the sooner that you can get into a family situation, who you're visiting, where you're going to visit so-and-so, have you seen them, when's the last time you've seen them, you know, you get, you open up many times a can of worms, a lot of times you get into a deeper level of conversation. Yeah. Number two on your handout there, sow seeds with your words and deeds. Sow seeds with your words and deeds. And if you, it may be on your handout, if it's not, I would encourage you to put the scripture passage Colossians 4, Colossians 4 verse 5 there. And let me read that for us, Colossians 4, 5. Conduct yourselves wisely, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, or the Greek conductors, walk in wisdom, Toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. So sow seeds with words and deeds. There is there's a long-term strategy here in witnessing. And that's what we're looking for. Where we are not necessarily uh, maybe in a long-term relationship having as much to say all the time. As much as you're sowing it through your, your deeds. For instance... Uh, when I play basketball with guys here in town, you pretty much can kind of know where guys are depending upon what they say on the court or what they don't say. So I could I can sow seeds, which in the heat of the battle there, <laughs> you got to watch it. You can sow seeds for good or bad depending upon how I respond or don't respond to different things. And I've had people say some different things. And uh, I've played for years there. And being able to talk to guys and different things like that. And just the other day, somebody said that was kind of new. Said, "Cody, what do you do?" I said, "Well, I'm a I'm a pastor here in town. Uh, it's nice to be the deacon, administrator, and assistant pastor. Because depending on the situation, I could <laughs> increase the level. I could just come out with, well, 'I'm an administrator at a church here.' Um, but I said, "I'm a pastor. Really? I where do you, where is it?" Told him, oh, "Man, I'm going to come sit in the back and make faces at you the whole time." Is what he said. I said, "Well, come on, come make faces at me." 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. I get all the way to the car, and I think, oh, they didn't, I can't, they didn't put that on my ticket. And it's like I have this conversation with the Lord. Really, Lord, I have to go back in. For potatoes. <laughs> right. And he's like, yeah. And I panic, okay, Lord, I know. But I'm not thinking evangelism. Right, then. right. Right. Nobody ever does that. Why do you do that? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and th- th- Yes. That that's what That's what I was going to say next here is you can somebody ask you a question like that, you can say, you know, somebody says, somebody will ask me, what did you do this weekend? Well, I could say, well, I hung out with family, or I could say well, we went to church on Sunday morning and we had some people over to try to encourage him. That's just naturally what happened. Or I could say, well, I'm paying for these potatoes because it's the right thing to do. I, I believe that it's wrong to... St- I mean, you could say all kinds of different things, but you could either say, well, I just wanted to pay for them. Or you could... Well, I, you know, you could take that... You can, you can drop things into the conversation, which is naturally why you're doing it, that they may not have heard before. Penny, did you finish the last thing? Right when you walked off and everybody was kind of looking at you and you turned around and you said, Jesus, son. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Tip number, tip number three on your handout there, be observant. Ask the Lord to help you be observant to other people's lives. Um, and what, what, what we mean by this is in conversation or in uh, the context of, of meeting someone, being observant to them. And one of the best ways is um, looking at a t-shirt, an earring, a tattoo. People wear things and get tattoos because they mean to say something and they want you to ask them what they're trying to say. They're They're all over the place. So ask them. And you can and and you can ask them questions uh, that may seem you can ask them very nicely. Why do you have pink hair? I mean, it's a, it's a question. Nobody else has pink queer. Why do you have pink? You can ask that in a very polite way. Why, why do you have that tattoo of a skull on your arm? What do those dates mean that you have there? What, is that nec- what does that necklace, what does that cross necklace mean to you? Um, they're wearing it. They're wearing it in, to display something. They're wearing it trying to communicate something, and, and they're fully ready to ha- answer what everybody, somebody asks about that. So that's what we mean by be observant to other people's lives. Right. 
Oh, yes. I don't know. I, I, what does that cross mean to you? I don't know. I just like it. Huh. <laughs> or you could do like Janet and, and compliment her bald woman for her courage through cancer. Yeah. You'll find out that she didn't have cancer. <laughs> 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 Be observant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tip number four. Tip number four in your handout. Prepare. Prepare as the, as the fill in the blank, prepare and plan for gospel conversations. So put that on, you know, I want to go on the mission trip or I'm going to ask some guys to, uh, to join with me and we're going to go door to door. We're going to have a, uh, we're going to do a concert in the park or something that's more intentional on your calendar where you can prepare and plan for that. And that helps a lot of times knowing I'm going to this occasion, I'm going to this outing, I'm going to this event for the purpose of, uh, Proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that can really help with preparing and planning for gospel conversations. Okay, last on your handout. Uh, be intentional and strategic with your life. And we'll flow through these pretty quickly here in closing. Be intentional and strategic for your life. Christ has called us, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20. He's called us, he's commissioned us to be ambassadors. To take the good news. To, to uh, be that person who represents his name. We're a representative. So, as ambassadors, four things. Be devoted to praying. Be devoted to praying. And we've, this is a, a theme. We've said it from really the beginning of this entire study on evangelism. Prayer is much of the work here. Be devoted to praying about evangelism. Praying for, for the lost. Praying for God to give you a compassion for the lost. Praying that God would open doors. Praying that God would give you the grace to walk through those open doors. Because they happen all the time. Praying for wisdom about what to say. Praying for God to give us courage to speak. You know, as a 14-year-old blasting through the gospel, this young man is probably not the wisest thing I could have said. Uh, but I, I had the courage, but a little more on the wisdom side of things and really wanting to be able to balance that well. So number one, be devoted to praying about evangelism. Number two, always be preparing to share the gospel. Always being preparing, always be preparing to share the gospel. First Peter three fifteen. In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. In your heart. So it's gonna start as the motivation within you wanting to proclaim Christ as Lord. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing Christ as Lord of your life? In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And notice, you're going to be prepared to give an answer if in your hearts set apart Christ is Lord. So trying to be prepared without the, the, the right heart isn't going to work well for you. So needless to say, if we're preparing to share the gospel, that means we've got to be walking with Christ as Lord. So we need to be in his word. We need to be uh, taking advantage of all the means of grace that he has given us to know him better. And we should be rejoicing in the gospel ourselves. And uh, one of the, uh, another good way to do this would be to read biographies of great Christians. Um, I was listening this week to a podcast um, about a gentleman who's a great preacher. And one of the motivations he got to proclaim the news well was reading a biography of George Whitfield. So read, read good biographies of people that have lived their lives proclaiming the gospel. 
Number three on your handout there, always be pursuing, always be pursuing opportunities to share the gospel with those near you. Sometimes I think we're looking for opportunities when we're missing the opportunities uh, that are right in front of us with those near us, whether it's the neighbor and having them over for a meal, uh, whether it's engaging in conversation with that person that you see every day at the bus stop or coffee shop or wherever it would be, but talking to the people that you see every day being a being someone that is really sort of a creature of habit really does help with this. If you're going to the same place, same time, same people, developing, uh, the, seeing those opportunities and pursuing them. Lastly, number four, always be pursuing, again, pursuing opportunities to get the gospel with those far away. Um, you know, we've got a map over here on the wall with the missionaries we support. Evan Took will be going up there as well. But praying about those and so you're pursuing opportunities for evangelism in the faraway regions praying about those people giving uh to the to that work going to visit them or other missionaries that really can be the 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 tool the means god can use to to kind of spark maybe that smoldering um, ember there for evangelism in your heart a lot of times just being more engaged not only here in the united states or around your local area but also in the faraway regions that can really develop we have we support um rafiki our family supports rafiki and for my children to get letters or send letters to the little boy that we support through rafiki is is really good for them that gets them outside of the day-to-day and also sees what's going on all the way over in uganda there so Pursue opportunities to get the gospel with those far away. In closing, we want to we want to find uh, ways to share the gospel, but we want to be intentional and strategic in how we live our lives. We want to be uh, intentional because Christ was intentional. We want to be strategic because Christ was strategic. But all with uh, the hope and desire of walking out uh, really a life first devoted to the Lord and letting that that strategy and that intentionality come from a heart that is devoted to the Lord and His work. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we uh, we stand amazed again at this uh, wonderful news, and we see, Father, the need to um, the opportunity here, Father, to to hone some skills and develop some strategy and think through some things. Uh, Father, I pray for our hearts that we wouldn't be so selfish. Uh, We wouldn't be so prideful. We wouldn't have so much fear of man. But that our love for you would then overflow to a love for others. So if it's that person with pink hair or that person with a lot of tattoos or that neighbor that seems quite grouchy. Father, that... our love for you and then our love for them and our compassion for the lost bypassing all those barriers that may be difficult for us. May we love you first and foremost. May the gospel, Father, reign in our hearts. It's glorious. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to have studied this morning. We pray now for our time of fellowship that it would be encouraging to the body of Christ. And Lord, that our time of worship here in a few minutes in the main service would be uh, to, the, to your praise and glory and, and edify us as a group, Father, as we together, as a family, as the family of God, sing your praises as our Father.
In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, amen.